This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. I'd like to welcome Paul Smith. He's the front person of the band Maximo Park. He's Mercury nominated. He's released seven albums since 2005 with the band. Their last album, Nature Always Wins, hit number two in the charts. Paul's also made three solo albums and one collaborative album with Field Music's Peter Brewis. He's DJed on Six Music. He's known for his distinctive, heartfelt lyrics and energetic stage performances. Welcome, Paul Smith. Thanks for having me. So, how did you sleep last night? Last night I slept reasonably well until my daughter came into her room where I had decamped at about half past two when she came into mine and my wife's bed. About quarter past six I was woken up by a little a little girl creeping in <laughs> saying, Daddy, are you awake? And so I would, have, I would have liked that last half an hour. We usually get up about quarter to quarter to seven in the morning to get ready for school and all of that kind of thing. But, I, you know, I can't complain with a, a solid seven hours sleep, really. Has that got better as she's got older? Yeah, she's she sleeps... A, a lot better now but she's very restless and we bought a bigger bed knowing that this was going to happen but it's still we could have bought a bigger one we now realize but it's too late are you king size we are yeah i think we need we should have had super king <laughs> but does she go horizontal or? she she seems to be sort of swimming in or cycling in her sleep <laughs> and my wife takes the, the brunt of that. And I'm on the other side and I just sort of end up edging further and further out until I am out of the bed and shuffling off towards her room to with, with my pillow. <laughs> so I'm quite specific about the pillow. So we've got like a pillow swap system where I take the one that's propped up against the bedside table, slot it in, and my wife says, usually quite groggily, see you later. <laughs> and then I'll pop next door. I have a pillow at the side of the bed as well. I have two on the bed when I'm not sleeping in it, and then I always take one off. I don't know why I do that. Do you, do you not do you sit up with to read? Oh with yeah, what, with... that'll be it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanks. I'm describing your life for you. That's slightly condescending. So before your child... <laughs> Did you sleep well? Was, was it massive change? It was, yeah. I mean, a bigger change for my wife than me. There's no, no getting away from that. I've had a, a decent time. All things, all things told. But yeah, before that, I was very determined on on getting eight hours sleep, and I've never had terrible insomnia. But I did have I did have a problem with my eye, oh. where I had a thing called recurring corneal erosion syndrome, which led to a lot of disturbed sleep. That's the short version. And so I would, what is it? Well, at some point, just before we were due to make our fourth album, I think, uh, The National Health, I measure my life in our album cycles <laughs> and where we were, we were about to go down to Bath to Mole's studio to record our fourth album. I remember having a lot of really uncomfortable times there. I had to go to the, the doctors in Bath because I was struggling. What happens is that you damage your own eye. If you've done it with your own fingernail, for example, which is what I think happened, I just scratched my eye in the middle of the night at home in Newcastle, felt terrible, woke up. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I think I've, I've actually poked myself in the eye. But this syndrome can happen without that impact during the night. It recurs. And so you wake up in exactly the same pain because the eye, listeners of a sensitive disposition <laughs> should perhaps skip the next 20 seconds, but the eyelid reacting against this, this self-inflicted wound and it, it rips off the cells of the cornea during rapid eye movement. And oh. so every night the same injury recurs. This happened 
for the, about two years, so I didn't sleep well for two years, and I, I looked very old, <laughs> much oh older God. after this. They put in temporary contact lenses, so you have yeah. a contact lens in for three three months, it. yeah, to protect it at night, so that you can get some sleep. But it's not great to have a contact lens in for three months. And every time I went to get it <laughs> replaced, there was a lot of discomfort and pain during that process. And in the end, the experts said, look, we're going to try this experimental surgery on you. So I went into the RVI in Newcastle and they pierced my eye in a regular pattern, micropuncture surgery, it's called. My eye was then damaged deliberately in order to heal, and it did heal but there was a lot of again a lot more a lot of pain in between but it's now fine and I can sleep yeah and up until then I hadn't really had any you know I wasn't an insomniac or anything but I was I found myself up in the night I used to listen to because I couldn't close my eye because it was in in, in such pain I had to stay awake until the pain subsided because every time I closed my eyes I was in horrendous pain so I had to stay up and oh try and fall asleep and so I would listen to Stuart McConey's Freak Zone because I couldn't listen to soothing music because I'd fall asleep and wake straight back up again yeah. in pain because the eyelid would attack the cornea so you know this is quite a disturbing podcast now well I was thinking <laughs> that you were going to tell me some stories about getting drunk staying up late you know being in a rock band but no like specialized surgery for an eye yeah that sounds horrific though so it was yes touring life Again, I had to have these these lenses in. Once I found a lens fitted well, then my sleep was okay after that. But every now and then it would slip and cause me to wake up. But I could never tell whether it was the lens irritating my eye or the syndrome being allowed to enact its its own horror on my on my, yeah. on my sleep patterns. So can that come back at any time? Um, there's there's potential for it, but it's I've now been six years since the surgery, six or seven years. Because I had the surgery in the middle of a tour. It was really hard. They hadn't told me that w- what I would need to do post-surgery. I'd, I'd come out of the operating theatre after having an injection in my eye, local anaesthetic, which was quite... Uh, so that this operation happened while I was away. Oh I, could, I could see the needle coming down towards my eye each time that they punctured it. it. This, this, is, is, this is not where we need to be here. This is meant to be a peaceful chat about sleep. This is, this is all going to be cut out and right, rightly so. Um, so I, I, I was in the, the waiting room with my wife and they said, here's your kind of aftercare leaflet. And I, I read it and it said, no strenuous activity for two weeks Otherwise, the, the, the blood vessels in your eyes could burst and it could destroy the work of the surgery. And I, I said, well, I've, you know, I knew I had three days off in the middle of this tour. So I, I thought I'd have the operation and have two days to recover because the eye recovers quickly. And so we had to postpone a couple of gigs and do them at the end of the tour. But I, I went back and I, I wore dark glasses and I couldn't perform as I usually do because I thought my eye might burst. <laughs> And nobody but, knew about but it. But I had, yeah, and so then I had to kind of, I kind of said on stage, I said, look, I've had eye surgery, you know, I'm not trying to be Bono. I've, that's why I've got these, you know, my eyes red. <laughs> and I just tried to do my usual performance, but take off the sort of top 10%. And if I was getting hot or was like feeling like I was going too far, I had to kind of rein it in because I was in trouble. So it was, it was, oh it was a very disturbing time in my life. You know, there's no, yeah. get, there's no getting away from it. But it's everybody's like, you've got a problem with your eye and you can't sleep. It looks all right to me. Reliving it now is is 
It's pretty hardcore. I feel quite traumatised just from <laughs> listening to that. I think I knew a bit about that uh, when we've talked in the yeah, past. Yeah, I've just said, oh, I've had eye surgery and I could, you know, had a problem with my eye. It's You've not got the full, the yeah, full, well, I'm, full I'm, mashings here. I'm, I'm privileged. <laughs> so where are you sleeping tonight? Tonight I'll be sleeping in my own bed again. I'll start the night in our room and see see where I get to. Not toured very much in the last couple of years and it's nice to be at home. And How's that been? Own. The longer it's gone on, at the start, I was like, you know, I work from home. It, it'll give me time to do other things. I've read a lot of books. Sort of at the end of the first year of it, I was starting to think, well, you know, when will I be able to have an income again? When will I be able to go out and do the thing that I love? You know, you feel like you're kind of letting your family down as well because of the, you know, not being able to earn money. Impacts on your psychological state eventually. But obviously having a family and a small child just distracts you from a lot of things. You've just got to get on with it for their sake and, and for, your, for everybody's sake. So it's lots of people have had it much worse. It's been it's affected people in, in so many different ways that I feel like I'm relatively lucky. But yeah, we met, you know, we made a record remotely. We were due to go out just at the start of the pandemic and record in Atlanta, Georgia with Ben Allen who ended up producing the record. We were just about to book the flights, didn't book them, wondered whether we could still do it remotely, whether we could still afford it and make sure it worked out in our favour. You know, we don't want to just make a kind of sterile record that doesn't have the same spark. And that was the worry, really, because we weren't in the same room as each other. I've made records remotely. I send off my guitar parts and whatever and vocals to my friend Andy in Derbyshire and he sends it back with the drums on and... You know, I, I, knew, I know that it, it can work. With Maximo Park, we are always in the same room and members have now left over time and their lives have moved into different places. So there's three of us left, but it's still there's still a chemistry between us. There's still an understanding of what the band is. Yeah, that was that was the thing that I was really proud of about the record, that it just felt like we were in a room. It felt strong, exciting. It was great to work with Ben, you know, despite not being able to have that adventure. We made the best of the circumstances. And again, that feeds into what I was saying about having it okay at the start. My mind was occupied. Yeah. I was focused on something. It was a much more prolonged process than we would usually have. Again, that kind of chewed up a lot of my time and that was good. I've done little things like doing radio shows for the Star and Shadow, a local art space and cinema. It's all DIY and community led and nobody makes any profit. So I feel like I've been volunteering every week and I did a did a year's worth of episodes and then it's a bit more sporadic now. But having some contact with the outside world, even though it was just me speaking into the ether, I felt like I was doing something positive in what could be seen as quite a negative time. Yeah. I felt the same with the Instagram lives, just doing one thing that was a kindness, like connectivity. Yeah. It did not help my mental state. So tell me, where's the strangest place you've ever slept? That's that's difficult. I slept in a deck chair once in at a German festival. That was quite strange because our bus had left for the next festival without me. <laughs> so then I was quite drunk. I'll admit that. I, I don't even know what. Did I have my phone? I've no idea. I found a guy. I was still away with the fairies somewhere. And <laughs> I found a guy, punky guy, who had like a, a bed in the... Like his, his dog lived in the back of back of this van. <laughs> Where's and this he was, going? <laughs> and he was going to the, the next festival. And he worked at the... He's like a, just a kind of hired hand at the festival. And he said, I'm going... Somehow found out in German that this guy was going there. He didn't really speak much English, I don't think. And I, I went into the back of this guy's van 
and tried to sleep on this like little couch <laughs> to get to the next festival. I got there just in time for our press. I appeared on German MTV in a fairly dishevelled, <laughs> mentally and physically state. At uh, what point did they realise you weren't on the bus? I think they'd got there. I think they got there and found out. They'd so, got all the way to the next festival. Yeah, they'd driven without me and they thought that I was on the bus and they thought I should have been on the bus because it was leaving at like six in the morning. And it was like a five-hour drive or something, and we weren't on till a little bit later anyway. But it was that was strange. That was one of the worst sleeps I've had in my life because I was still drunk and I was bouncing around in the back of this van in with this loads crazy of dog man. hairs and stuff. It was <laughs> smelled. It was, but I was so grateful. <laughs> it was a very unusual feeling. Yeah, grateful for the worst sleep. Well, my next question was, can you sleep anywhere? So I would presume the answer is yes. Um, just about. I, I think that was something that I found difficult when I was starting out in the band. You know, I was used to being in my own bed. I mean, the first bus that we got, it was like a little van with... In, in every tour bus, everybody says, you know, the beds are like coffins, which they are. But this was just a transit van that had been converted. <laughs> and so it was, I was like banging my head off the ceiling and couldn't sleep when it was moving. I still can't sleep very well when our buses are moving yeah I started to to find ways of doing it and I, I, I put my headphones in and try and relax since I was I don't know since I got my first Walkman when I was like 12 or something I've always listened to music on headphones before bed until until I, I met my wife <laughs> if I'm sleeping with somebody else in the same in the same bed then I won't have headphones on obviously yeah if I'm by myself I find it just kind of it allows me to switch off and also I love listening to music so even if I'm not asleep I'm getting something out of my time is how I kind of see things. Um, you see I can't listen to music at bedtime to go to sleep because I, I find it's too stimulating Yeah, and there's absolutely no way music can send me to sleep in that way unless there's someone singing me go to sleep or something. Yeah it's my brain's always kind of I've got quite bad tinnitus so if I You're don't. You're a wreck. I am there's no <laughs> This is it. Once people find out all these things, you know, they see me in a different light. I'm, I'm a, a total wreck. And so, yeah, like my head's bouncing on a night. It's just like, especially after a show, even though I wear in-ear monitors and have like the, the sound as controlled as possible, it still needs to be loud enough for you to sing and, and be into what you're doing and to be loud louder than the things around you, even though it blocks out sound yeah. you're next to a drum kit. Um, so it needs to be at a certain level. By the By the time it comes to sleep time you know often you, you've just got ringing in your ears you've got the songs in your head and I can't switch off when we're recording records or if I'm working on music if I'm writing especially later on in the day if I do any writing on an evening I've just got the songs going round and round in my head and yeah. I need something else to, to because it, 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 it really does my head in the same songs or the same line on a loop especially if it's your own because you're thinking I've done this to myself here <laughs> it's <just> self-inflicted <laughs> so yeah again when that's happening again having, having music on before bed and close up where you can hear stuff because a lot of music you know I listen in the room and I would prefer to listen to it on the headphones just to get the kind of detail of sound. Yeah, for and the so, left, right, pan. Yeah, I'll just get really into it. And so to have even just one song before you go to bed where you have that immersion in sound, I like that. As somebody who loves music, it's 
a little treat before you go to bed as well. Yeah, there's not many people I know in music who have such a sort of encyclopedic knowledge of music and and such a big record collection. Uh, I know that you're an aficionado. You got me into Devon Sproul, who has become one of my favourite, favourite artists. Do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone? Well, I hope my wife's not listening to this. No, I'm only joking. Sleeping with my wife is one of the best things just being in the same room, connected to somebody else, to be in love with somebody and to be with them is, you know, something that I, I try not to take for granted. Again, if, even if you're together with somebody for a long time, it's good to just feel that bond and just it's uh, something that's almost ineffable. It's something that I can, I can hardly express, but I would always say to sleep with someone, even though at the moment and for the last few years, you know, we've had a disturbed sleep and we've had it a little interloper um <laughs> it's still if we get some time together without her and it's just nice to, to be there would you say you would prefer spoon cuddle <laughs> or space spoon initially and then a bit maybe a bit of space if needs be yeah <laughs> so the next two questions would have been do you sleep through and what keeps you awake i feel like we've kind of covered that with your daughter and your eyes and your tinnitus <laughs> Do you write and work better in the daytime or at night? I would say in the daytime just because I feel fresher. I think at night, as I say, as I, say I get too disturbed in my sleep if I'm working late and I don't get a good night's sleep. I, I, might, I might do some great work, but you're buzzing. You know, you're buzzing off the work. You, you, your mind is a buzz. I think it's 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 hard because you know like i have done there's this there's the sort of rock and roll cliche i suppose of being up late at night you know having a having a having whatever your tipple is and working through till the morning and then that's where a lot of great records were made and so there's a a temptation i think for people to go yeah that's the way to do it whereas i've always liked the idea of i think i read about nick cave going into his office before we just before we started the band I think he'd been through you know his own issues with addiction and being a, a night owl and then said right you know I'm going to be disciplined I, I get up and I go I work nine to five I've got a piano I've got very little else in this office I rent this office and then I go home and do whatever I like that idea of having somewhere you know you work like that and then you have your free time at other times and also it's a kind of normality you know like a a proper job yeah exactly you know you don't feel like you're completely alien from the rest of the world some people might like that but our music for example or my lyrics in in all the things I do are based on everyday life everyday feelings and the idea that they're quite magical you know I don't want it I don't need or want an altered reality there's something about that kind of work a day aspect or that that work a day routine that appeals to me yeah Um, I always have a dream of working at the Brill building you know like with Carol King or something where you can go and you do four songs a day and then you go home and you have your tea (laughs) yeah and it doesn't it doesn't mean that it can't be totally inspired but there's kind of parameters that's good when you're working with something that has no parameters you know like what is a song what you know how long does it take to write a song or or a lyric you know how many bad lyrics do you need to get through to get to the good ones you know that interests (laughs) me and it's a process is that your process yeah it feels like it because inspiration can kind of hit you at all sorts of times and then the next day you know you might write something down in the middle of the night which I've done from time to time the next day it's just awful you know you're just like whoa I thought I can't believe I thought that was good yeah but then sometimes it's really great you know I woke up in the middle of the night I couldn't sleep in Australia Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
and that, I, I wrote a song called While You're in the Bath which is one of my favourite songs had a guitar in the room you know I again it's kind of about creating the space for potential inspiration in an ideal world I'd have a guitar in every room in my house those kind of things are sort of daft but also they, it can work you know yeah. like having a new electric guitar and you, you think well it's got a slightly different sound I'm going to make this kind of music on you know the, we all have those kind of thoughts but then that can happen and it's it can be like that but yeah you're creating the, the right conditions for inspiration at the strike whereas other people just go oh, you know I'm not inspired I can't work today or I would prefer to get down to work and just plug away and something invariably comes you know I, I wouldn't say I've ever had writer's block or anything like that I just I'm probably overstimulated and don't know what to write about and spend a lot of time dithering and you know the other day I was but that's all the process as well that's what people think that when you come up with a song that like it's just gone ping but you know there's an awful lot of sort of writing through it to get to that point isn't yeah there? I mean for me I believe in accumulation and unfortunately that leaves me with lots of records in our dining room spilling around and books everywhere that I've you know I'll never be able to read half of them before I die no, <laughs> you know that's just the reality of it it's just having things at hand and accumulating knowledge and so you know what I read a, a New Yorker article about places in the deep south that were in photographs of places that inspired writers that I like I don't know where that'll what effect that'll have on me or whether I just read it for enjoyment that's the that's the the beauty of being a songwriter a lot of the things that I enjoy overlap with what you might call research or work or whatever yeah and I don't know how that'll manifest itself maybe it'll be in a kind of visual thing or if you were to keep it strictly to music it could be an album cover or a stage design you know all those kind of things are one to me because we're a group and we're a kind of pop group in Maximo Park in my head you know we're an alternative pop group but the, the songs still have choruses we want to appeal to a wide as wide an audience as we can without sacrificing our ideals and the things that we want to achieve in our music so total example out of the air on the new tour for nature always wins we had scout and ray a local tailor clothes maker called hannah we had seen some of her work online know her i thought maybe we could get some outfits made for the stage for yeah. the whole band to have this kind of visual unity that doesn't feel too different from some of the things that we would wear ordinarily their work shirts you know it's not like a three-piece suit that we're forcing yeah. people into to me it looked like a teacher at the Bauhaus might wear one of these I was gonna say Bauhaus <laughs> and just again that's a that's a clue to what the, the music might be like you know you might be at a festival and people look and see a silhouette or a or certain colors yeah blocks of colors and there are subliminal effects on that you'll go well oh, that's that kind of band whereas if it was you know jeans and a, a leather jacket you'd go okay some people might go that's brilliant that's what I like about that's bands George Michael <laughs> you know <laughs> other people yeah. might go they might be quite a laddie band then I guess if it's if it's guitars with with leather jackets that might really work for a certain band that might be their yeah, thing but that image but thing it's not it, right it, for us yeah so. it's such signifiers isn't it yes exactly I mean, I've never had well I've never had an image <laughs> and I'm sat chatting to you in you know some really but not having an image is your image and, that, and, that, <laughs> and that's it's it's like Carol King you know or whatever you know you go she's singing a song called you make me feel like a natural woman or whatever and she's dressed she's she looks comfortable in herself that's her you know like bruce springsteen with a his jeans on handkerchief handkerchief <laughs> stars and stripes it, it kind of for him he was sending out a, an image of the working man and the 
the idea of this workwear, but also you know he's got his his sleeves rolled up, he's got the guns out, he's a, <laughs> you know he's not just your everyman, he's he's out there putting on a show, putting on a gun show. Um, <laughs> And it's 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 like these, you know. Obviously, some people took that as all American trumpeting the the U.S. flag yeah. and saying this is this is they our got guy, the wrong idea. born you know, born in the U.S.A. triumphalism. Whereas he's saying born in the U.S.A. very ambiguous message to be sending out post Vietnam War and you know American intervention around the world. In some ways, you can't you can the more obvious you are, the more overt, the less interesting it is. But obviously, you can also fall into the the wrong hands in terms of what what people believe about you. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Well, now I just want to dress up as Bruce Springsteen for my next gig. Is why not? <laughs> this is it. You know the uh, gender gender blurring the lines. <laughs> I've come to my last question. Can you remember a lullaby, a song or a book that was read or sang to you as a child? I can't remember any lullabies. And it's funny because we sing lullabies and so on to our daughter. What do you sing? Well, my wife sings uh, Dream a Little Dream. Oh, I sing that to mine. (laughs) Twinkle Twinkle, classic, the little star version. Basically, if my wife's not there, my daughter won't go to sleep. And so she, again, she bears the brunt. But recently I've gone in to try and sing and my wife has demanded Northern Sky, the Nick Drake song. Oh. And so I've been, I've sang my daughter to sleep twice with that, which is seems miraculous when it, she only wants my wife to do to do it. And I've come in and broken up the, the sort of routine. But obviously, the more I can do that, the better it will be for... I was asking Ted about what lullabies he he really remembers and he remembers morning town you know like that train whistle blowing anyway i'll sing it to you later they've got strong memories soothed by those songs and i think it's like a lovely gift to Mm -hmm. to give oh yeah yeah i remember being read to sleep so i would it was the roll dahl books those were i guess my first memories of being read to and reading myself so which one was it Probably Matilda. One of the things that interrupts my thoughts about it and disrupts them a little bit is the Jack and Ori versions on the TV. So oh. I remember George's Marvelous Medicine being read by Rick Mail. The BFG, I remember the BFG get, having that read to me and Matilda and those kind of felt like real epics. Char- uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just read The Glass Elevator to my daughter and it's really bad. It's badly written. It was clearly just tossed off as a secret. From what I can see. Was that your yours and her opinion? I think so. I don't think it I'd, yeah, I don't think she was as into it. I tried to make it so. Some of the the references are a little bit out of date as well. Oh um, dear. That shall we say. Oh dear, um, I hate it, it when that happens. Yeah, and it's a it's very disappointing because the rest of it's great. It's so cobbled together with these vermicious knids. Knids, yeah. Oh gosh. Um yeah. and it's but it's got some brilliant bits in and some really funny bits as well. It's all over the place. Whereas <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is perfect. I would say that Matilda and BFG are all, you know, totally perfect yeah. novels for children. I really Danny and Champion of the World. Again, I, there was a film with Jeremy Irons playing the dad. Somehow messes with my memory of being yes and they did they live in a caravan yeah they live in a caravan and there's pheasants his dad is a a secret poacher at night they get one get one over on the the bad landowner who 
one who obviously doesn't like poaching, but they they drug all, all of the, the all the, the raisins. Pheasants. Yeah, with with they with, fill all the raisins. I right. remember that. But it's brilliant. This is the thing. It's like it's again. Roald Dahl is now a problematic figure with the things that he has said when he was alive. Some really unsavoury well, things. Well, he didn't like beards, Paul. Oh dear, and better have a shave. <laughs> Otherwise, it's probably not good for. Do children like beards? I once scared a child, like somebody else's child, a little baby. She just freaked out when I came in. I had a beard. Her mum said, "Oh, she doesn't like beards. It'll be the beard." So <laughs> oh, was, so you didn't, I, you didn't purposely. No, no, I didn't. I wasn't stroking my beard in a malevolent way, or just trying to scare it deliberately. Well, I hope that you, your wife. And your lovely daughter, have a really good sleep tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Paul Smith. Thanks.